Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. Uh, we are here in Long Island. Governor Meatball has attacked. It was a sneak attack. It wasn't completely unexpected. I did see the potential for this. I didn't vocalize it because I didn't want to manifest it. Uh, I don't know who, the Department of Health, the Governor Cuomo... Or somebody in the governor's office shut down governor's comedy club, which was doing outside, socially distanced, safe shows in a tent in a parking lot outside. And it had been open for a while. And many people had performed there. And there were no problems. And nobody had been tested positive for COVID-19. But... Yours truly criticized the governor of the state of New York on the biggest podcast in the world. And then a few days later, a few hours before I was supposed to perform in the tent, the shows were canceled and governors got shut down. Now, I am not alleging that there is a connection, but I cannot... Say there isn't a connection. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know. I believe we're now in a war. I'm in a war with this crime family. Can we be honest? They're a crime family. Mario Cuomo, the grandfather was the governor. Now this guy's the governor. His brother's on CNN. They're a crime family that chose to run the state of New York instead of a trucking company. That's who they are. And I don't care that Chris uh, Fredo uh, Cuomo Corleone's wife is a member of the Southampton Bathing Corp. You can't wash the garlic out of your dress. We smell you from a million miles away. You can walk on the beach with wasps wearing white linen, but you smell like a three-day-old sausage and pepper hero under the seat. Of a fucking. <laughs> I know you try to wash that off, but it seeps out of your pores. And I did. You know, she's a member of the very elite Southampton Bathing Corp. One of the oldest and most prestigious beach clubs in the world. Which means nothing to me. So I walked right, you know, out, out. They, they, you know, they, they have a, obviously a building and a pool and an inside that you can't get in. But there's a beach. They're, they're out there. They're sitting on the beach. And these wasps used to own the whole world. And now they have this small patch of dirt in Southampton. And these are, you know, 800 of the wealthiest families uh, on the planet. And many of them have memberships to this beach club. And they all drive beater old cars there it would be seen as grotesque to show up in a lambo or uh you know uh you know a bugatti something ostentatious it is very wasp aesthetic over there and i walked through it i walked through the beach part of it you know there's women wearing like white bonnets and kids i mean it looked kind of like a regular you know, beach club, you could tell, you know, the, it, the difference was that people were reading. Let's be honest, that was the major difference. A couple of people had a few books and not trashy romance novels where there's like a guy whose pecs are busting out of his shirt. You know, it looks like some fucking, you know, logger, you know, on the front cover of the book. And it wasn't Harry Potter. It wasn't adults reading Harry Potter like a lot of the beaches I go to where it's an adult reading tween fiction, an adult sitting there unashamed reading tween fiction. It wasn't that. I couldn't see what the books were, but I could tell by their covers they were not that. But other than that, other than the fact that you saw people reading age-appropriate material, it wasn't that obvious that it was uh, so different from the types of people that would just normally congregate on a beach in a well-to-do area. I mean, there were no boom boxes. I don't want to be racist here, and this is going to seem racist, but you know what I mean. Nobody was playing loud music. There were no potato chips. 
Nobody had a bag of Lay's potato chips. Nobody was sitting around uh, crunching cheese doodles. It was people that were reading quietly, talking quietly, going in in the water. Of course, there's no phones allowed, no Instagram, no TikToking, no, you know, there are strict rules. And Christina Cuomo, Chris uh, Fredo Cuomo Corleone didn't have corona, never forget, liar. Uh, his wife, Christina Grisholm, is a member of the Southampton Bathing Corp. Do I know? Can I be certain that she was not told that I committed the uh, social sin of walking through the beach club that I am not a member of? I don't know. Can I, can I be sure? Can I be certain that that did not happen? Is this a war for the future of the Hamptons? Is this the cycles of new money replacing old? Am I locked in the same war that Vanderbilt and Carnegie and Rockefeller were in? I could be. But I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm here fighting for your rights. First of all, it is your right to die. No one's told you that. It's your right to die. It's your right to die. You have a right to die. Okay? It is not your right to kill other people. But if, if other people all take a risk and kill each other, you're not killing them. Do you see what I mean? Like, if everybody decides, for example, like... You know, we always talk about drunk drivers. What if everyone in the car is drunk? Do you know how many times I've been in a car and everyone is drunk? And every time we'd get into an accident, almost people would laugh. Nobody in the car deserved to survive. Nobody. There was no innocent person in the car. There was no, like, good person that had just accidentally ended up in a car with three other drunks on a Wednesday night in Long Island, leaving a bar called Lisa's Lounge. Everybody already had blood on their hands. You see? So if everybody wants to get together and assess the risk and go out and enjoy some fucking entertainment, which is, I think, their God-given right or state-given they should be able to do that without the fear of reprisal from this vindictive, petty gangster who's running New York State. And this is the play until Trump um, is loses. And you could hate Trump. You could want Trump to lose. I think it would be very healthy for the country to have a reset right about now. But let's just be honest. If you work in the restaurant business, or if you work in entertainment, be prepared for a rocky couple of months because especially if you're in a blue state, a lot of these governors, um, they're not going to allow the phases to reopen in a way that makes people feel hopeful about the future. I think the plan is to kind of reopen uh, gradually, slowly, and I don't think a hell of a lot of reopening is going to happen before November. I just don't believe that. And listen, that's a strategy. And it's, you know, because a lot of these states don't want to get clobbered again. There's many reasons. But let's not for a minute pretend. Let's not for a second pretend that there isn't a benefit to keeping the economy stalled and to keeping people a little terrorized. They just want you a little nervous out there. They want you a little apprehensive out there, a little fearful. They want you to know that society is fragile and that that is part of a strategy to force political change in the country. You may agree with it. You may think it's smart. You may... I uh, think it's necessary. You might think it's long overdue. But let's be very honest about what it is. It's not, I think if Biden and Kamala win, the tone of the coverage is going to change. Trump did bungle this. I think we can all agree, if we're honest, that Trump didn't do a great job. I don't know how well other presidents would have done, and now we'll never know. I mean, we might know if we get a new one in a few months. But at the end of the day... 
the media wants this guy out. And they're using every opportunity to, you know, act as a partisan political machine. That's what they're doing. If you can't see that, you yourself have left the planet, which is okay. That's fine. But just know that. Just you can see that. And it's not all undeserved. That's the other thing. Trump is not above reproach. He doesn't, he deserves uh, a lot of criticism. He's the last person you'd want in any type of crisis. You know, he, like Cuomo, is petty. He's vindictive, you know? You know, I don't know what Cuomo did. I haven't really been following this nursing home scandal. I just know that my mother is in a nursing home and has not died of COVID. And everyone in my family has been terribly disappointed. You know, we call every day and we're like, "What? what is going on? Has everyone died but her? Has literally every person died of COVID in the nursing home system but her? This bitch is sucking up tax dollars like you have no idea. I mean, shoot her in the head and just say it's COVID. Who cares? They're not going to care. The people who run this state are fucking criminals. They're gangsters. Just smother her with a pillow for Christ. But I don't know what, what he's been doing. I think he's just been putting, you know, he's just let a brush fire of COVID run through the nursing home system in New York State. Okay? While he's not canceling comedy shows held in parking lots, he spends his time shipping sick COVID patients to nursing homes, starting a brush fire of disease. This is a guy who claims how well New York handled COVID. He fails to mention that all of the outbreaks of COVID from around the country originate and emanate from New York, not shutting down immediately and letting people leave. Now, I'm not saying that New York should have shut down or it shouldn't have shut down, but let's look at the causation of a lot of the, the COVID outbreaks came. They can be directly traced to New Yorkers. So let, before we throw ourselves a victory party and before somebody pops out of the cake and before mama starts rolling the eggplant rollatini and before we bring out the chafing dishes and before we get the fucking uh, penne alla vodka and the chicken frances and the cannolis out, let's understand that you and your state infected the entire country, yes or yes. Those are just facts, <laughs> Andrew, Andy. Meatball. They're just facts. And you could be a, you can revise history. You could do whatever makes you comfortable. You can get out and, uh, you know, do this dance. Do you desperately want to be president? We've never had an Italian president, and we never will. We will have a transgender member of Antifa before we have uh, somebody who smells like garlic sitting in that Oval Office, okay? Criminal. Understand that, criminal. <laughs> There's nothing really better than anti-Italian uh, racism. And because it is allowed. That's just simply why it's so good. It's, it's sanctioned. It's allowed. Uh, nobody... Uh, it will stop you from doing it. In fact, there's only an upside to you engaging in racism against Irish people or Italians, which is why I do it so frequently. And because I know uh, a lot of Irish people and Italian people, so it's kind of, it's fun to poke fun at them. But I mean, if the governor, let's say, let's just say for an example, the governor was a black lesbian. Let's do the show again. Ready? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. The show's got canceled. Real disappointing. Anyway, heading back to L.A. pretty soon. Really excited about, you see the difference? You see the difference? And that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Because I do believe that everybody deserves a good lashing. Specifically when they are targeting uh, just a clown. Just a happy clown. Coming to dance is clown dance for the people in Long Island, the simple people in Long Island who just want to laugh. They just want to laugh and eat bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches and occasionally do a little heroin. That's all they want to do. They want to live in houses they inherited and complain about the tax burden. Nate Bergman is making his solo debut that's already being described as classic rock. 
by Classic Rock Magazine as Otis Redding crossed with Bruce Springsteen, making instantly likable tunes that hold their own. He is currently in Nashville, finishing up his debut album with Grammy-winning producer Vance Powell. Good for Nate. Classic Rock Magazine says Bergman is one of the most original voices in modern music, and Distorted Sound describes his first solo show in London as a jaw-dropping performance. For fans of Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson, Jason Isbell, Black Crows, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty. Right now, for a limited time, the music is being offered exclusively through Patreon at patreon.com slash Nate Bergman Sings for $5 a month. The Patreon features exclusive studio songs, live streams, and a weekly stories about 18 years of international touring and recording. Nate Bergman's a good friend of the show. This guy's the real deal. He's a great musician. He wants to get his name out there and his music out there. He was the lead singer of a band called Lion Eyes for years. They toured internationally, domestically, and he's trying to get out there. You can follow Nate Bergman, twitter.com slash Nate Bergman Sings, Instagram at Nate Bergman Sings, N-A-T-E-B-E-R-G-M-A-N, exactly like it sounds. You could go to NateBergmanSings.com or you could go to patreon.com slash Nate Bergman Sings. Nate is... Somebody who's always putting out good stuff and good content. We do appreciate that he, um, you know, really, you know, supports the show, chooses to advertise here. Um, You know, and I appreciate, you know, I played a song for my my aunt uh, that Nate Nate, Nate Bergman sang, and she didn't like it. And I killed her. (laughs) I started choking her, and she turned blue. She died much quicker than I thought she would have. I think she had COVID. And I didn't want to let her live if her taste was that bad because it was a really good song and I liked it. I think it was called The Middle of the End. It was about, you know, he's kind of lifted that from my show and, you know, I didn't give him any reprisals, but I certainly could call a lawyer and I might. But I appreciate that he's advertising and I won't, I won't. I don't own that phrase, but I mean, it's certainly being repurposed without my knowledge. But that's okay. Uh, We appreciate him. We want you to go be his fan. Go support him on social media. Go follow him. Go subscribe to the Patreon. Go, you know, go support local artists. And, you know, he's maybe not local to you, but who gives a fuck? It's it's really the idea of it, isn't it? So Nate Bergman, N-A-T-E-B-E-R-G-M-A-N. Just get out there on Google. Find Nate Bergman. Find him. You just got to throw him into Google. Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Nate Bergman Sings. You can find it pretty easily for $5 a month. You know, he's putting his music out exclusively through that. That seems like the new way things are happening, and uh, we really appreciate that. So thank you to Nate, and go find him. I saw a lot of people, you know, I visited friends of mine when I was here. This is an audio-only episode. We didn't know he couldn't. You know, don't start with me, people, please. The amount of content that you are provided for free. There is no generation of comedians that has provided as much content uh, as my generation has absolutely free for you. And that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate all the money that you guys give us on Patreon. I do. it. We, we try to put it to good use and make videos and have fun and do whatever. But the reality of the situation is, uh, you know, just if, if you forgot what I, what, I, what I look like, just find me. Google image me and you can stare at that. While you listen to this show. But I did. I saw some old friends and some uh, parents of old friends. And it's just depressing. Um, We're all getting older. Everybody's getting older. I mean, that's the only way to say it. Um, The good times are over. And I don't mean forever. And I don't even mean for the country. Even though I, you know, I've made that case ad nauseum. Um, I mean, for the friendships that you had, um, the golden age is over. Um, Now, there is not much left. There's not much left, and that's sad, but there's something nice about, there's something that, you know, uh, definitive about that, where you can look at people and go, wow, because, you know, that's where you really appreciate time. When you look at people that you used to be really close with and then you pull back and you see them later on and you're in a different place and they're in a different place 
and you barely know each other, that's when you start appreciating time. You go, wow. You know, that's uh, a mind fuck when you, when you, when you kind of pull back and you go, oh, you know, I was so tight with that person. I was so close with that person. And uh, now I, I, you know, I'm struggling for things to say. You know, within a few minutes, I'm struggling for things to say. We're making inane, meaningless small talk. And these are people that I used to, you know, we used to, conversations were effortless. There was always something to talk about. Now they're feeling me out and I got to feel them out about how political can it get. And, and everybody knows where I stand on everything. I'm not like a private person, but like, it's still weird when you're, when you're in a room with people, they're like, well, are you really that guy? Are you that guy? Are you this guy? Who are you? And they don't know what they can say. And it's odd because these are the people that you really, you know, spent a lot of time with. And you had a very organic and natural relationship with these people. And then you just got to, you look at it and go, well, that's over. You know, especially when you sober up. Everybody on Long Island still boozing it up. And they don't care. I mean, they don't care. And God love them. God bless them. And I mean, people in Long Island, they'll tell you they survived a brain aneurysm without blinking. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll light up a cigarette and go, yeah, they found me on the floor. I was bleeding out. They said it was an aneurysm. You know, I don't know, pulmonary embolism. Maybe it was a, yeah, I think I had a few pulmonary embolisms in my left lung. I cough one up over uh, breakfast and, uh, and they'll be just sitting there drinking a vodka and telling you, they'll tell you, they'll tell you right to your face. And you're like, oh my God, is, are you okay? Is this okay? Yeah, 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 I'm fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, just lighten a butt, drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, I had a coronary, I had a bypass. It was a, uh, you know, all of my heart valves were clogged at, uh, at maximum. And I, uh, I just woke up, and they say it so nonchalantly, and it, and it's everything that's they every decision they've ever made in their life is is has led up to that. So I get why they say, and I'll probably say it one day without being shocked. I'll be like, right, I just woke up and I took a breath and I couldn't breathe and I fell down on my face, and and you'll be telling someone who's not at that point in their life, and there's something so crazy about the nonchalant way they just kind of go over all their health problems and then just put the butt right back in their mouth and light it up and then just start drinking again like nothing ever happened. They'll just tell you, they go, yeah, I was clinically dead for eight minutes. Yeah, clinically dead for eight minutes. And then they brought me back and I remember the paddles. I remember the cold paddles on my chest. And I remember there was, there was a dark tunnel. I was in a dark tunnel and I felt like there were these beings grabbing me and pulling me into hell. Yeah. And then they'll just light up a cigarette and fall back in their chair. And they're like, but, you know, I mean, things are good. All the tests are good now. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, good to see ya. Glad I came by. Hope everyone's well. Give my best to everybody. I mean, people that stay in the Northeast just get hit with a shovel. There is no way out. A lot of people that leave the Northeast end up, for whatever reason, you know, extending their life by a few years. Not that that's always preferable, but, you know, I was in the fat store, DXL, in Palm Desert before I flew to New York. And, uh, you know, the worst uh, employees at the fat store are ones that try to make it like a nice experience because it, by its very nature, is um, uh, a disgraceful experience you have to try on clothing and see what makes you look less fat i mean that's the whole point of the fat store how do you look less fat by the clothing that you put on it's not it's never what makes you look good it's never that it's a lesser of two evils situation it's voting it's voting in america it's there's no real like there's no jfk moment in the fat store where you grab a shirt and you're like, this is it. There's none of that. There's no hope and change. There's no, there is none of that. There is just the harsh, cynical realism of what is available, what will look okay on you, what will look decent, what will not cause people to vomit when you walk in a room, and what can survive the rinse cycle. And that you won't spend $90 on a shirt and then pull it out, and then after the rinse cycle, it's now over. And I've had those experiences where you pull the shirt out of the rinse cycle and you go, this is done. I can admit it to myself 
or I can deny it. I can lay on my bed and then pull the shirt and I can tuck my knees under it and try to stretch it back out. Okay. And I've done that many times, but we're also going to have to be honest. Sometimes it goes through the washer and dryer and then that's it. It's a one and done. That's a one and done sometimes. Um, and I'm in the fat store and I try not to speak to any of the people that work there. I'm always polite. I'm always, Hey, how are you? Do you have this and this? Or do you have, you know, but I'm never like, how's your day? You know? And, uh, so this guy starts talking to me and he goes, well, what part of New York are you from? And I'm like, Long Island, you know? And he goes, Oh, that's great. He goes, you know, he goes, you live here now? I said, yeah, I live here. He goes, don't you notice? That when you go on Facebook, like he goes right into it. And I'm like uh, automatically, you know, already feeling nauseous. I'm like, oh boy. He goes, oh, you notice when you go on Facebook, everybody from the Northeast, they look shot. And everybody that got out of there, they seem a little happier. And I'm like, yeah, I got to be honest. You're right about that. Then he goes like this to me. He goes, he looks at me, he goes, did you hear about that actress who got murdered the other day? And I said, What? He goes, that actress who got murdered, she's famous, Reese. He goes, she was like stabbed with a knife. He goes, her name's like Reese? Like Reese? I'm like, Reese Witherspoon? And he goes, no, with a knife. And I'm like, what a, what a, what a life this guy has. Just trying to slip that joke into every conversation with a, with a fat person in the Palm Desert Mall. Like, every, every fucking guy in there, some guys are much fatter than me, like, buying, like, five X's and shit. This guy is just tr- looking for an opportunity to slip the Reese Witherspoon with a knife joke in there. But he was right about the East Coast. He was certainly right about that. Um... And I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's one of those situations where you, 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 you love the idea that at some point you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can get, you know, you can find some value in the, pe- like in, the, in, the, in the people that you spent all those years with. And not that they aren't tremendously valuable, but I mean, like, you want to you wanna be able to talk to them the way you used to talk to them. It's just impossible. It's impossible. You know, I don't know that it has anything to do with my career or anything like that. Maybe some of it does. I don't think so. I think it's just because I made it out. I got out. I think I got out and I'm doing okay. And there's there's the people that get out and then the people that don't get out. And then the people that get out are, you know, just they're out. They're on a journey. And then the people that didn't get out, you know, kind of look at those people and they're like, yeah, okay, sure, you know. Like, uh, you know, I said to somebody, my friend's mother, I said, hey, I got a house, Palm Springs. I rented it for a few months. If you ever want to get out of New York, you, you come over there and uh, you can stay with me if you want. You know, she's like, how do you have that? It's like her first, you know, I don't know, I'm selling drug. Like, what's the answer? You know, I'm like, oh, you know, the, the, the podcast has done well and everything. And, you know, again, it's just a house with a few bedrooms. It's not, you know, this isn't a Hamptons. The state, the home. How do you have that? And it's like, well, there's the warm Long Island, <laughs> you know, reception I've been I've been waiting for. She looks at me. She goes, "You guys were the needy generation. You always wanted things. You needed things." I'm like, well, also, but your generation of parents was also like, you guys were like the boomer generation of like, hey, you were really, and it's so funny. I love this woman. She's, she's a great lady, but she always wanted to leave New York. Like she was always talking about buying a condo and getting out of New York. And then I asked her, I'm like, you ever think about you know, getting out of here? I know you talked about Florida for many years. I mean, and when I say she talked about it, I mean, every conversation that she had when we were young she found a way to inject it into uh, the conversation that she wanted to move to Florida, you know, or or the Carolinas or somewhere. And I'm like, you ever think about you ever think about leaving? You know, now you have COVID and the city. You know, she goes, where am I going to go? My friends are here. I'm like, OK, yeah. She goes, I'm alone. I don't want to go somewhere 
now and be a lot, you know, and I'm like, I understand that's, those are all good reasons. So that's it, man. That's the thing with Long Island is, you know, no matter how strong the bluff is, nobody's leaving. They're just not going. They're not leaving. I was for sure certain that this lady would have a place and do like six months, six months. But you get to a certain age where you're like, why am I going to leave everything that I know? Because at a certain age, that is all you have. Familiarity is all you have at a certain age because you're tired. But knowing that you know the people in the neighborhood, you know the stores, you know the restaurants, you know the street signs, you know the stoplights, you you probably even know a few of the cops. You know the way things work. You are, you know, comfortable, and that is what you have. That is the only thing left. And there's a sadness to that in a way because we we tend to think of life being an adventure and it's about new things and it's about, you know, challenging yourself or whatever. And, you know, I think at a certain age... All of those things um, uh, no longer uh, present themselves as exciting. They present themselves as terrifying. And most people, and sometimes that age is 23, you know? Sometimes people just settle in and they just dig in and they stay where they are. And there's no better example of that that I know about than, you know, Long Island. Because, the you know, the, a lot of people... Um, and then some people, of course, leave Long Island and they, they go be, you know, racist in North Carolina or something. They, you know, it's not the physical, it's not really the physical space. Some of them just, get, you know, get out and, you know, take their values with them, you know. It's not, you know, it's not exactly necessarily confined to a geographic location. But it's just funny, uh, you know, and then you want to, you want to, and you don't know what you're expecting. That's the other thing. When you go back and see people, you, you kind of don't know what to expect. You don't know if they're going to be like, oh, my God, it's so great to see you and give you a hug and, you know, and now with this COVID thing, it's fucking weird. You walk in, you don't know, hey, can I, do I elbow bump you? I'd rather do nothing. Like, if I'm not going to give you a hug, can I just, like, not do anything? Uh, Do we elbow bump? Do we fist bump? Do I do a black power bump to you? I don't know. How do we, how do we navigate this insanely awkward moment right now? That we're having, like walking in, having not seen, you know, people for years and then, you know, basically not being able to go up to them and hug them. Um, It's fucking weird. Every interaction feels like a weird interview where you feel like you're interviewing for a job and it's a job you don't want. And that's every interaction. The majority of them that I've had this week, not all of them, we had a lot. We had a cool lunch. Um, uh, with a very smart person, but the the majority of these interactions that that we've had have been, you know, kind of awkward, stilted, uncomfortable uh, interviews where it's like, so how have you been faring? So how have you been? Have you known anyone who has died? Because you're across a room, by the way. So you're not near anyone. So you got to be across the room and go, do you know anyone who has died from this or not? Remember your cousin Jenna? Yes, she's dead now. (laughs) Jenna died. You know Jenna, she had lupus. Jenna had lupus. She was overweight. She was Joe's daughter. I don't know. Remember she sang at Mary's wedding? Did she die of COVID? They think so. You know, oh, it's good to see you. California, it's whatever. I mean, what are you going to fucking do? You got to do these things, right? You got to see these people. I had lunch with my father. You know, my father's like, my father's a guy who's like, I love him to death, but he's like, he's never worked a high pressure job in his entire life. And he acts like he's like, works on Wall Street or something. Like he has the energy of a guy that's like, like a, a doctor in an ER, but he just sells wine. And it's like kind of like a relaxing job. He just kind of like, he, you know, it's like people are drinking wine and they sell wine. I mean, it's just not. It's not like this crazy job that, you know, you, you know, but he like he's always like on his phone. He's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't know. Napa Valley's on fire again. I'm like, what do you care? 
What are you kid going to retire in a year? You worried about Napa Valley being on fire? Who gives a shit? He's, he acts like he's like he's like a, a secret service agent, and he's just he's gonna have to take a bullet for somebody. Like that's 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 the way the guy acts. He's like he acts. He's just always in a, like some frenzied. That's the thing in Long Island, man. They just they're always in Long Island. Everybody there is just barely surviving. They all have homes, cars, bills are all paid, but they're all like, I just I'm just barely hanging on. We're being we're being attacked. We're fighting wars on multiple fronts here. It's just bad. It's just been rough here. He's like, the city is fucked up. He hasn't been the city in decades, you know. The city, they're killing everyone in the city now. And I'm like, that's that's true. And I've I've been vocal about that. That's not a good thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's my dad's always had that energy of just a guy who's like, just a guy that's got a lot on his plate. Just a guy who's got a lot on his plate. And by that, you know, it, it will be like he'll, like that, like the day we met him for lunch, that was the, probably the one thing on his calendar was that we would have lunch with him. And, you know, again, he's just acting like, you know, after that he's got to go and like, you know, I don't know, like run a presidential campaign. Like, are you doing something I don't know? Are you Walter White? Are you doing something I don't know about? Are you I are you running some kind of drug empire? Because you're you're acting, but that's just Long Island. You're fried. You're just so fried. Uh, by the end of your life, for all the sacrifices that you've made to live in this place, that's taken everything from you and given you a small amount in return. Uh, there's the synapses are, are gone, you know, like I think Ben said to my dad at one time during dinner, he's like, what do you think of Cuomo? My dad's like, look, <laughs> my dad's like, I'm not a political person. And then launches into a screed. Right. I'm not a polit. I'm not a political person, but here is my 10 point plan to fix. Now, listen, let me preface this by saying I'm not a political person. Now, please direct your eyes to this chart that I've brought with me to help you visualize the points I'm about to make. I have a 10-point plan to fix things. I want to talk about another Below Deck podcast. That's what I want to do because I, the show Below Deck is good. We don't know why it's good, but it's good. It's interesting. People on yachts are interesting. They're demanding. And then the people that work on yachts are kind of people that are fun to watch, but you also don't care if they die. You know, mm -hmm. because those people, for the most part, are like, they're like galley slaves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're like scallywags or whatever. They're like, they're just monsters. You know, they just take those jobs because they want to get hammered and they want to fucking hang out on the yacht. Mm -hmm. We can't respect those people. But in a way, we want to watch them. And we want to watch them. We want to see them have fun. And we want to, we, we want to watch them clean and then party. Mm -hmm. And we want to watch them fuck up and get reprimanded and grow up right before our eyes. But it's not enough to just watch the show. I want to hear more about it. I want to talk about it. I want to be able to hear funny people break it down. Um, so that's why we have to listen to another Below Deck podcast. Okay, I just enjoy it. And what what who's it's Theo Vaughn's producer Nick. Mm -hmm. It's hosted by Dylan, Nick, and Pat. Dylan, Nick, and Pat, who are I mean I I don't use the word creative heroes a lot, but let's just say it applies to all of them. Now, who is this bitch? They had Kate. I like Kate. Who do they have her on? They had on Kate Chastain. Yeah, she's like the head bitch on Below Deck. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of impressed that they got her. But they got her because they're running a tight ship. No pun intended. They're running a tight ship over there at another Below Deck podcast. And they got Kate Chastain, and they really went to town. Now, what happened? Somebody got fired? Yes, the firing of Chief Stu Hanna. For, she had drugs on the yacht. I don't, I'm trying to find out what Chief Stu Hanna, what kind of drugs did she have? I'm going to look it up right now because... Uh, I just found out Tori Lanez shot Megan the Stallion. I don't know who any of these people are. Uh, I just, maybe we shouldn't, I, maybe we shouldn't, I mean, I don't know. Should all the musicians always be shooting each other all the time? Is that good for the kids? 
Am I officially old that I'm starting to notice these things? Is it good for the kids if all the musicians are shooting each other in the face all the time? Is that good or no? I don't know. She had a Valium pills and a CBD pen. I mean, that's weak shit. They kicked her off for a Valium and a CBD pen? Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? Dude, what's going on in this country? I don't, I don't understand... What is her name? Can you spell it, please? Hannah um, Ferrier. F-E-R-R-I-E-R. Yeah. She goes, it's not something I was hiding about the Valium. I think I've just been really disappointed because I feel I'm being painted as some sort of drug addict. Yeah, I mean, this is weak, dude. But apparently this Kate Chastain hates her. Right? Yeah. Is that what it says? This is sort of unfair because apparently she's been having, like, panic attacks on board and stuff. They just kicked her off, huh? Well, they just kicked her off. Yeah, but, you know, she can fuck say anything she wants. I've been having panic attacks, and I that's why I need the Valium, and, you know, my... My wrists get lonely. That's why they need the needle in them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, who knows? But I, I, I do think the podcast is worthwhile. Give it, a, give it a listen, you know, and see what you think. I mean, if you're into that show, Below Deck, it is a good show, you know? I mean, people like it. I mean, these guys are into it, and they do another podcast about The Bachelor called Another Bachelor Podcast. You know, they stay up on these shows, and a lot of people... You know, when you're done with this show, if none of your friends watch it, maybe you watch it in secret. Maybe you shamefully watch it. You don't want to admit you watch it. None of your friends want to talk to you about it. You can then, you know, listen to this podcast because maybe, you know, if you admit, hey, I watch Below Deck, one of your friends is going to be like, listen, I mean, you know, have you ever thought about fucking a dude? And you're going to be like, I did in college a few times, and then it's going to be fucking weird. And then your friend comes over and you guys start fucking, you know? And you're not ready for that. And it all started because you admitted to watching Below Deck. And then all of a sudden, he's taking you below deck, you know? And he's teaching you how to prepare at a bottom. And you have to clean up. And then you're sitting there eating dinner with your wife. And you just got fucked in the ass viciously. And there's an oddness to it. And you're like, you know, it wasn't entirely, you know, it wasn't unenjoyable. But... Now you have this entire crisis that's brewing in your life because you didn't just listen to another Below Deck podcast. You had to admit to a friend that you like Below Deck, which then led to him fucking you on the bed where you sleep with your wife. I mean, do you see what I mean? So where can they go? They are on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And if you want to, leave a review on Apple Podcasts saying you heard about the show on The Tim Dillon Show. I would love that if you did that for me personally. You know, I, if, you, if you went to Apple Podcasts, you say, hey, I heard about this from The Tim Dillon Show. That would, if you guys have any time, you know, in, in between your busy day of doing whatever, you know, uh, if you could do that for me, that would be really good. Also, you know, check out the podcast. I, I think it's a real, uh, it's a good podcast. Uh, if you're not, if you're into Below Deck, I like, you know, Below Deck's a show that I could just kind of watch. You know, when I was on the road, I'd put it on. It'd be a marathon on Bravo. I'd just watch four hours of it while I just laid in a hotel room bed in Ohio and wished I was dead. And I would just watch the show. And it was really, it was just like fun. Cause I like, bo- I like seeing boats and stuff. All right. But I've been here a week. I'm here a few more days. Ben's flying out tomorrow morning, and then I'm back to the desert. And we're really locking this shit up. We're locking it up, unfortunately. I know that a lot of you want to go out and see me live, and I want to go out and I want to perform live. But we're locking this baby up until 2021 because the reality is I'm not having you guys go out and buy tickets to shows that don't fucking happen. I don't want clubs holding your money. I don't want you to keep being rescheduled, you know, these things to keep being rescheduled. And then you don't get a refund. And I I know you guys need your fucking money. It's a fucking rough time out there. I will get back into this when there's something to get back into. And I think I said that a few months ago and I meant that this was my test of the waters here to see how this would be. You know, I was never thrilled about performing in a tent. I didn't want to do it. It was an interesting experiment. 
I think it would have been a lot of fun. And it may, may, uh, you know, it might have made me consider, you know, potentially entertaining some other kind of, you know, experimental shows that were safe and socially distanced. But now I'm pretty convinced that until the election, especially in, in, in blue states, but but in all states, really, um, we're not going to see um, a ton of forward motion and progress. I think the system is gummed up right now. And I think that there needs to be some resolution, uh, whichever way, uh, in a few months. And then people are going to you know, respond to that. I do think hopefully after the winter, by the spring of next year, we're, we're back up and running. And that's really not that long. You know, we have, we have September, October, November, December, January, February. We have six solid months of whatever's happening here. But I do believe that by March or April of next year, we might have herd immunity. There might be a vaccine. Treatments have gotten better. Testing has gotten better. Diagnostics, that's really all we need is better testing to figure out who's got this and who doesn't. Um... And then we kind of move forward with it. And I do believe the tone of the coverage will change uh, if Trump is out of office. I think even if he wins re-election, the tone of the coverage will change because it will go from being this major political story to just a story. And there's a, very, there's a big difference between a story with a hell of a lot of political significance in an election year and a regular story. That's what it is. Um, my feud and war with the Cuomo family, I imagine, will continue. They don't like me. I don't like them. There are probably high-level meetings about what to do with me, what to do with this populist, this William Jennings Bryant type, this guy who's running around in tents, preaching the good word, telling the people the truth, at tremendous risk to his personal, physical, emotional safety, dealing with this, you know, this, 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 this gangster and his family that are incredibly powerful. Some would say all-powerful in this state. I wouldn't, but some would, okay? And they focus their sights on me. They have focused the scope of their rage and their animosity at me. But that is okay because I do not shrink. I will not be intimidated by this family of goons I will not be intimidated by them. I know who they are. I know what they want to be. I can see through their lies. I can see through their distortions. Uh, I would never trust anybody whose one brother was the governor and the other brother is an anchor on CNN. Could you think of any more contemptible family? I mean, I would rather I would rather you know spend time with a family of cannibals. Do you realize? how much more class Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell have than these two pigs. Do you have any idea? Can you even fathom in your mind, okay, the code that Epstein and Maxwell live by, that these fucking garlic knots, not for a minute in their fucking life? Now, I'm not defending Maxwell and Epstein. In fact, quite the opposite. I am just saying... Do you have any idea how bad these people are that run the state? I don't think you know. I don't think you know because it is fun. Because the garlic bread is nice. Because the lobster fra diavolo is nice. But the criminality, the criminality is, uh, and I love the mafia, by the way. I love the mob. I don't mind the mob. I grew up with the mob. Respect to the mob. But this government... Like, drunk on their own power, it is absolutely disgusting. They should be in the mob. They should have just been actual gangsters, actual mobsters. They would have been much happier. But instead, they're on CNN. What? I'm, I'm, I'm truly appalled. And I do believe, I do believe there is a chance that this was a personal, I do believe it could have been a vendetta. Do you believe that? 100%. I do believe it could have been a vendetta um, because this club had opened. Uh, it had been functioning. Mm-hmm. 
And they shut it down a few hours before yep. my show. And I believe this is a, a vendetta against me. No rival clubs either, right? There's no rival clubs that are that are you know because sometimes you have that problem where a rival yeah. club will inform on another club. But no, I mean this seems to be this seems to be a situation. And and here's the reality: I, I they're trying to discourage me from 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 doing business in my home state, and it will not happen. It will not happen. In fact, I will I will I will I will show up with with uh, Candace Owens. And I will throw a freedom freedom <laughs> concert. I will have a freedom concert with Candace Owens, and I will I will sing, uh, you know, patriotic songs mm-hmm. with Candace Owens, and they can shut that. Let him shut that down. Let him put me and Candace in cuffs and take us away. You know, there's going to be a protest. I think governors are going to protest this. We got to take it all the way to Albany. The fight must, we must Mm -hmm. fight for our right to see comedy in a tent. Mm -hmm. Because, folks, they're not stopping. I mean, these people aren't giving back the powers that we've given them over the last four months. And I told you, I never said Corona was fake. I think it's real. It's brutal. It's, it's, It's nasty. It's random. All of those things are true. They're still true. But I've also said when you give muscles marinara, all the power in the world, and then you expect him to give it back, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So then you're left with a situation where you've given politicians more power in the last five months than you've given them in the last 10 years. They are drunk on that power, okay? They are literally telling you how and when you can earn a living. You are depending on, on them for your income. You are depending on them for... Um, guidance in all matters of public health. You are depending on them uh, in terms of educating your children. You are depending on them. It is a position that I that I it is terrifying for anyone that appreciates freedom um, uh, to any degree. The position that people in this country are in right now is a terrifying position, and and uh, you don't. It's not like some. You don't have to be some crazy libertarian to to believe that. Just pay attention. You look at the way things are going. Um, and you know, you got what's allowed, what's allowed today. Am I allowed to do this? Can I do that? Can I walk on a beach? Right. Can I walk on a trail? Can I breathe air? Can I breathe air today? Is air allowed today? Mm-hmm. What's allowed? What's not allowed? Is this the day that I'm allowed to go to the beach or is someone else allowed to go to the beach? Like, you know, w- w- what's allowed here? What's not violating a town ordinance or law or rule? And if the guy five people over my house now, the government will uh, they'll just shut the power off to the house now. I mean, folks, wake the fuck up, wake up! They're shutting the power off to your house. This happened to some good kids in L.A. Uh, uh, the Sway TikTok house. Now these these gentlemen uh, are trying to just again, you know, you know, uh, enrich the culture of the city of Los Angeles by making people happy uh, by dancing and, you know, having raging parties, you know, wild ragers. They just want to, they just want to rage. They're young kids and they just, they want to jump around and take their phones out and they want to do drugs. They want to scream and yell and they want to fuck and terrorize their neighbors and, you know, make a lot of money and then lose it and, you know, they want to have the kind of fun that often destroys the lives of people around them, including sometimes their own. And I, I think that that's what should happen. I do. I, I think that's what Los Angeles is about. It's, it's about a, a group of children to move into a house and to destroy an entire community. I, you know, I, I kind of believe that, whereas New York is not about that. It's, it, has, it has a dignity to it that Los Angeles just doesn't have. You know, those kids are followed around by paparazzi. I mean, it's like, yeah, of course. And they cut the power off to the TikTok house because those kids wouldn't stop. And, I mean, isn't it ironic that they're the real Americans? Is it ironic to you that the TikTok house is actually the Minutemen? Yeah. They're the real American? They're George Washington? (laughs) They're, They're hiding in the trees, jumping out to try to get the Redcoats? 
They're storming the beaches of Normandy by doing renegade. Renegade. That's a literal protest. They're the Americans. Mm -hmm. They went from being assholes like a few months ago when they were just, you know, before the quarantine, they were just having these loud parties of people trying to sleep and, you know. But now I'm in full support. I, I I would love to be invited and to participate in what I consider an act of civil disobedience, frankly. Yes or yes. This is an act of civil disobedience, and we are fighting a totalitarian government. We are fighting it with dance, and we are fighting it with the volume, and we are fighting it with having a great time, smiling, jumping around, being loud, using drugs, revving the engines of cars. These are... These went from being things that I would generally say no to, to now truly believing that this is an, uh, this is an act of resistance. I now believe Jake Paul and Team 10 to be more significant than the founding fathers. Truly, at this moment right now. Uh, Jake Paul and his arsenal and his uh, Team 10 who have the parties and they go nuts, to me, are the real Americans now. It is not the nurses and the doctors, I'll tell you that much. We've all had about enough of those people crying. Oh, sorry, I had to do the job I signed up to do. What? No, it's not them. And you know what? I've also had enough with the military. Sorry, I've just had had enough with them. I don't mean that permanently. I'm sure that I will... I will appreciate them again. But as of right now, I'm not invested emotionally in a lot of the wars we're in. I just don't, I, you know, to me, it's not. Um, but right now, I am seeing the TikTokers, and I'm seeing Jake Paul, I'm seeing Team 10, and I'm seeing these are the people who I believe will save the country by partying and by disobeying laws that are unjust. And, 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 and as much as some of this is tongue-in-cheek, uh, it really isn't. And I, I truly believe that resistance is not, it's not going to come from the middle-class, um, polite, respectable people. They're just going to follow, um, you know, uh, Governor Panini and his family uh, into a fascist hellscape but what I count on, I count on the youth. I count on the kind of the rich, young, rich kids that drive fast cars and that don't have any respect. Those are the kids that may save us all, you know? And, I, you know, when they took, when they cut the power to those kids' house, you know, I was a little disappointed that those kids kind of, I think they folded a little. And I think what they should have did was I think they should have taken it to like the next level because there's a lot of like, you know, protests in front of Mayor Garcetti's house in Los Angeles. He lives in Hancock Park. But I think the TikTok kids should have stormed his house and started partying on his lawn. Just started drinking and TikToking on his lawn and partying, pulling out with the Ferraris and just fucking making content right on Mayor Garcetti's lawn and say, this is America, bitch. What town did you fucking think you were the mayor of? Sagaponic? What do you think you're the fucking mayor? You're the mayor of Los Angeles, okay? This city is built on the bones of people that we've sacrificed to ancient gods. And you're shutting my fucking power off because my music was loud? Because my I was listening to the Baby at t- too loud of a volume? Do you think you're the mayor of Chicago or New York or a real place? You're not. You're the mayor of Los Angeles. It's a city that's on fire most of the year. Okay? So to deny those young men and women the chance to be ridiculous for money, for a lot of money, is to deny the entire ethos of the city. It's not about public health. Public health? It's on fire. How could it be healthy? You let those motherfuckers dance. 
you fucking empty suit. So as soon as I get back there, I hopefully will be joining forces with many of those people and putting together what I would consider a paramilitary unit of them and starting to engage in uh, what the FBI will call localized and worrisome uh, activity, uh, which I would call uh, freedom fighting and the FBI would call domestic terrorism. Now, that is... (laughs) Renegade! Um, so that's, that's where you have it, folks. At the end of the day, this is not a video episode. This is an episode on the fly. We'll be back doing video next week. I will be back in Palm Springs, back in the desert, seeing what I, where I'm going to end up. Some of my friends are going to Austin, Texas. Some of them have left and gone back to New Jersey. I don't know what to do. I think I might stick it out in L.A. I might stick it out because that is where... The freedom fighters are. So I might have to stick it out. I don't know. Not coming back to Long Island. How'd you get that? What? Hold on, I'm having a stroke. Um, Can't come back to Long Island. Sad, but true. Love everyone here. Wish them the best. But, you know. The times have gone. They've gone now. And when you're, when you're a drunk, and many of you are drunks out there, and you know, you're on drugs or whatever, probably at the, this very moment. Just know that if you have the, for, you know, the good fortune of sobering up, you know, you, you know the relationships you have, a lot of the people you, you, had, you went and drank with are just going to change. They're going to be very different. And, you know, I don't, it's going to be awkward, and it's going to be you know, kind of strange. To see those people. And you just start to realize, you're like, fuck, it's a lot more fun when I was hammered. A lot of these things were a lot more fun when you were hammered. That's just the truth. And that doesn't mean that those weren't great experiences or valuable experiences, but it means that it's just a little tough to really, you know, recreate those conditions without a bottle of gin, you know? And uh, that's not, you know... It's not an invitation to go grab a bottle of gin either, by the way, you know. But I mean, you know, some final parting words here for the Cuomo family. I mean, I will continue the fight. We are not ever going to back down. We are never going to roll over. We are never going to let you turn this uh, state, this great state, into, uh, you know, some type of fascist dictatorship, you know. I mean, I'll never let it happen. I'll never let you turn the state into the Olive Garden. You know? You are overstepping your bounds, sir. And I'm asking you nicely to step down. I am saying nicely. Step down. Resign. And I'm asking your brother, Chris uh, Fredo Cuomo Corleone, did not have uh, coronavirus, never forget. I'm asking you to step down, sir, for lying. For lying uh, to, the, to the nation about your coronavirus diagnosis. I would like you both to step down, and I would like you to uh, go manage a family-style restaurant in New Jersey, which I think would suit both of you a lot more. Because when I look at both of you, I see two people that should be walking around the floor asking people how their meal is. Okay? I don't see you running a state. Okay, that's the reality. And I mean, Bill de Blasio, I mean, that guy, I mean, should just be thrown in a van at this point. I mean, everybody hates that guy. There's never been a political figure who's drawn as much ire as this guy. I mean, picture JFK. Like, Bill de Blasio has as much hatred as JFK, except Bill de Blasio is doing nothing, like none of the revolutionary things that JFK was trying to do. And yet somehow Bill de Blasio has assembled a coalition that rivals JFK of people that just hate him. Like, truly wake up every day hating this buffoon of a mayor that New York City has. But but what are you going to do, folks? Um, I will see everybody back in the desert. We'll be back. Uh, we've had some fun Patreon episodes. We have Ray uh, uh, last week and Ray coming back this week. And then 
Uh, we'll be back on Patreon with some cool stuff. Coming up, we did a fun video about what, what would happen. You know, a lot of this uh, corporate activism has gotten really insane. And we said, well, what would be, you know, the next step? It would be like a guy training a, you know, Antifa in his backyard in the Hamptons. And uh, we did a video and we, it was really fun. And we appreciate the people who let us use their yard. And they seemed, they seemed cool with it. I mean, they were a little mildly uncomfortable. I think the idea is when somebody, like, you know, this was brokered through somebody. I don't, you know, I know the person who brokered it, but I don't know the people whose yard it is, and I don't ever know who knows me or what I've done or if they've Googled me or whatever, but, you know, when I show up with eight people dressed in all black and I start screaming about hedge funds in the back of a house <laughs> where the guy probably runs a hedge fund, right. um, you know, I'm sure there was, you know, a level of discomfort. I don't know if it was mild or extreme, but I appreciate that they let us do that. I didn't think we were going to, you know, we were sitting here last night, right, mm -hmm. going, how are we going to get a house? And we made it happen. We manifested it. Mm -hmm. It happened, as Jessa Reed would say, you manifested it. You manifested it. And it just happened. And it was a fun video. And, of course, I'm sure people are mad, you know, people are mad about it. One woman, one, like, old lady tweeted at me. She's like, you need to read the Bible and stop eating. And I'm like, well, one of those things is true. I'll give you 50% of that, old gypsy woman. I mean, that's, you know, you're not wrong about the whole tweet. I should probably start reading something. I don't know if it's the Bible. That seems a little retro. TimDillonComedy.com for all, uh, you know, live dates that are not going to happen. There, there are none. Uh, uh, we have our merch. Uh, we have some new merch that will come out probably before the holidays. We're going to start banging people over the head with merch now. We appreciate everybody uh, on the Patreon Again, this was just a little update out of New York City. We're in the we're in Hampton. What did you think of the Hampton? This was your first time out to Long Island, you know, this part of Long Island, yeah. which is a very special part of Long Island to me, and I like it here because people don't want me to be here, and those are my favorite places. Yeah. It's just that little moment of being uncomfortable in those places where you're not allowed, where they give you the look, and then yes. you just, you you just, just walk you right do. in. You just walk on the beach, you yeah. swim on the beach. No one cares. No. But the reality is there's a small moment of judgment that most people don't want to go through. It's that little moment of discomfort that most people avoid their entire lives because they build it up to be much more than it is, and that's why people don't succeed at anything, and that's why they waste all their time on this planet. But I don't waste my time on this planet. I walk right on the beach of the Southampton Bathing Corp. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit about nothing. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me because I smell the garlic. Do you understand what I'm saying? I smell it. I smell it through the Calvin Klein blouse. I smell it through the Christian Dior. It doesn't matter. It doesn't wash off. Okay? So me and you, were one and the same. I'm just an Irish fucking mick who I come from a long line of people who fucking sat and got their asses kicked and threw up and fought in bars, and you come from a long line of fucking sausage-making criminals. Mm -hmm. So don't, we are not that different here, and let's not act like we are, okay? Okay? Thanks. But what was your impression of the area? It's the... That's enough. Ben Avery on Twitter, everybody. Uh, we appreciate it. Ben Avery is good on Twitter. Go get him. Go ask him his thoughts there. Not on my show. Not on my show. Good night. <laughs>